Welcome to the Death Science Podcast, where we explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. Please like, share, and subscribe to support. You can find all the audio and all major podcast platforms, and you can find the video on my YouTube at www.catacomb.tv. Learn more about the show at deathscience.org. Welcome to episode number five. Today's guest is Josh Balls. He toured the world playing keyboard in the band Motionless and White, and now he owns and operates spooky-themed businesses in several major cities across the United States. We'll be talking about advice for growing and touring in a band, his oddity shop called The Strange and Unusual, and some of the wild items that you can actually buy in the shop or online. We also cover why immersive experiences are important for visitors in any of his businesses. And we also talk about tattoos, pets, aliens, and so much more. But before we get started, I want to talk about catacombculture.com. This is where I sell my sculptures. My sculptures being functional home decor that I make out of hyper-realistic human bones. From human bone lamps to food-safe skull bowls, I make a lot of memento mori-friendly pieces that serve as reminders that our lifespans are limited. So let's make the best out of the time we have left. You can explore my bone gallery at catacombculture.com. Also, restinggrounds.org. This site will guide you in exploring alternative post-life care for your deceased body. Your deceased body has the potential to literally save lives, advance multiple fields of science, and so much more. Learn more at restinggrounds.org. Now, let's meet Josh and explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. Today, we are here with Josh Balls. He is the owner of The Strange and Unusual and literally so many more things. Welcome to the catacombs, Josh. How are you today? I'm all right. I'm still uh, I'm still kicking in this quarantine, but, you know, not too bad. So tell us more about uh, the, your projects and your businesses and all that good stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to anything. And, and, and I'm, I'm really a yes man. I think it really comes down to, I have friends that always like, we should do this together. I'm like, okay. You know, so yeah, I started with the strange unusual about, uh, six or so six or seven years ago. I used to be in a band called motionless and white. Um, as I was in the band, I was, I was dabbling in with the strange unusual and I left the band to pursue more business opportunities, whether it's the Strange Unusual, we have two locations, Steamy Hollows, the cafe, I have uh, Batty Fang, I have um, a restaurant I'm opening in LA, I have a club night that I do called Noir Nights. Um, what else do I have, Jeremy? <laughs> oh, let me think. Uh, you have your, your new uh, music project, right? Oh, sh- your... strange, ki- strange Kids, yeah. It's, yeah, it's more yeah. of like... Uh, a hobby kind of situation where I don't want to stress myself to make music, mm. you know, where in the past I was always stressed to, you know, perform and stressed to make this thing. So this is more of on my own terms, kind of just making whatever music I feel like I want to make. Yep. Yep. So let's start, let's tackle this right at uh so motionless and white. Tell me about that. Um, you know, it was 10 years of my life and it was kind of just one of those situations where, um, it, it was a battle between whether I wanted to keep touring or if I wanted to, you know, further my personal business career. It was like, you know, back then it was like, do I want to, you know, it, it, it was a more of a group and, and I, I felt like I was kind of falling behind and falling in the, in the leeway. So I just wanted to, you know, branch off and do my own thing. And there was one day when I was just like, you know what, I want to, I want to stay home. I think this is the right decision. It felt more of a, it, it this band became less fun and more of a business, but not mm-hmm. the business that I wanted to be a part of. So it was kind of just the right time. There was no negative. It was a phone call that I was just like, Hey, listen, this is, I'm done. And that was, this is my last tour. The last tour I did was, um, I think three years ago now, two or three years ago, it was breaking Ben and, and corn and bullet for my Valentine. No, I don't remember. It was breaking Ben and corn. It was our last tour. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, tell us about your experiences and, um, you know, maybe some observations as to what makes certain bands more successful than others. I think the big thing is just engagement is, you know, we were a big band with engaging with our fans and being a part of what they wanted to be a part of with us. You know, we had a song that was almost completely written by fans and they really appreciated that we, you know, we never forgot about you know the people that helped us get to where we were you know so these fans 
that's what I think a lot of bands do. They focus on people trying to buy their albums and not the connection they have with the people that are, you know, giving their heart and soul into your project, your band. So I think it's, it's, you never know if you're going to be a big band or a small band. It's just, it doesn't, you never, you can never know what cards to play. Um, because this person can hate you, this person can love you, but you know, it, it all really comes down to those core, those core fans that are there from the beginning. You know, we built, we spent years and years building a core fan base. And I, I believe that those are the people that made us, you know, made motionless who they were was those people that are there every day, pushing the band daily and, you know, just taking those right moves and, you know, basically doing the work for us because they, they had faith just because we had faith. So I think that was, you know, the, the grand scheme of success for Motionless and White. Mm -hmm. So for people that like audience members that maybe they're in a band and they want to try and take their band to the next level, uh, do you have any tips for growing a band? Um, patience and you know I was actually just talking to a kid uh, messaged me on on Instagram the other night and was just trying to get some tips and I was like you know it's patience and it's it's a lot of time invested in you know responding to those to those fans and kind of when we first started booking tours we would call venues and be like hey can we open the show can we open the show we would like make a little routing of where we wanted a tour and we'd call all these local promoters and be like hey can you throw us on the show give us like 50 bucks you know um, we took um, you know, we threw local shows before we left and um, for the money to pay for fuel to be able to get to those venues. So it was a lot of patience and hard work. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing these days is, you know, they don't want to put in the work. They just want to put a song on SoundCloud and just be successful. So, I mean, that's what everyone's missing is, is the drive, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, so as far as going on tour... Uh, what what are the different stages of going on tour? So like you mentioned, just kind of starting out, you know, reaching out to different venues and maybe throwing all your gear in a van and everyone hopping in and just hitting the road to taking it to like a, a tour bus and the evolution of a tour. Um, it starts, you know, depends on what financial level you have, because there are people that have, you know, are fortunate enough to have money to be able to buy like RVs or bigger touring vehicles. We we started in a small van and we did weekend warrior shows. We did, you know, little week, uh, uh, where we would go and we'd sleep on people's couches. Like we would ask fans or people after the shows cause they weren't necessarily even fans yet. They were just like people at this, that were randomly at this show at this VFW hall down in West Virginia or something like that. And we'd be like, Hey, you know, we have nowhere to stay. Can we sleep on your couch? You know? So it, it, it started from just, you know, us being, personable human beings and just being you know nice and respectful to to people and you know that's how it started we used to sleep in walmart parking lots we used to you know go to rv parks and you know it's anywhere we could take we used to cram a bunch of us in a 50 dollars hotel room many times you know there was we got kicked out of hotels because there was too many of us in the room um but it was it was a natural progression you know we went from the van we went to an rv we went to like a little like sprinter thing we did that and then we went, initially finally went to a bus and you know to be honest the bus is the biggest disconnect from everything because you get in your you get in your coffin and you just sit there until the next thing whereas when, when you're in a van you have complete control over everything that you that you have you know you can stop at you know uh wherever you want you can kind of sightsee where it's a bus you're a b a, B, A, B. So, you know, it's, it was definitely nice being comfortable, but you pay for that price. And that's, you know, it's, it's definitely the natural progression was nice, but, you know, I definitely have different, um, aspects of which one I loved more because the, obviously the bus was comfortable. It was crazy. It's like, you never think you'd get to that, to that level, but then you miss those van days when you're, you know, schlepping around with some of your best friends and just trying to you know, find something cool to do on your day off instead of going to the movies or a Walmart. Mm. <laughs> do you have any uh, most memorable moments while being on tour? Um, I crashed a van once. I almost <laughs> killed us all. So, oh, shit. Yeah, we were. it was a really icy day, and, and we were going, and I wasn't even going fast. I was just driving, and it was like where, you know, is the bridge maybe icier than the road or something situation? And I hit the bridge, and we just... You know, I, I just started fishtailing and I hit one guardrail, hit another guardrail, spun out and went into the median. And right next to the median 
was like a two-story drop-off with a train coming, which had no guardrail. So if I like, kept on the gas, I would have dr- driven off a cliff and killed us all. So too bad. I mean, I wish I was dead. So it <laughs> would have been a cool way to go. Yes, that's pretty intense. Um, how about on stage? What was the uh, the stage presence like with Motionless and White? Um, we were always crazy. Even from the beginning, we were always like, we had little lights that we controlled like with our our hands, like little controllers. And then up until I left, you know, I had a hydraulic riser that I was on and big crazy light shows. And um, we had characters that were walking on stage. And, you know, it, it, Motionless has always been a production because it's an experience. And everything that I do and even everything that, you know, they did and still do is is an experience and i think that's a, a big thing for the success as well is you know it's, it's always a hundred percent we never cared about you know taking tens of thousands of dollars home we wanted to put tens of thousand dollars in production for people to experience what motionless and white was so there was definitely a lot and you know that that also overflows into my life now where the things that i have are you know the production value of the things that i i own or the things that i create are always you know uh, top tier, you know. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your new audio project. Um, so Strange Kids is just something that I had a, a friend, his name is Jake Simons, who I've been friends with a little while. He actually works for a company, Blackcraft, and we've always been friends for a long time. He's And he's really good at producing music. And he's just like, let's do something together. Even when I was in Motionless, he's like, let's do something cool electronic together. And I was just, I just didn't have the time at, the, at you know, at that point in time. But you know, it kind of came full circle and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'll do something for fun. And, you know, and that's what it was just, we did one song a year. We did one song three years ago and then another song a year after that. And then now recently we're actually about to release two new songs in a, in a couple of weeks because I was like, you know what, I would like to have enough songs to be able to play a show if need be just to, you know, get that feeling back because nothing replaced. I don't, I don't mind not touring anymore. I, I, I hated touring. But playing those shows are so different. It's a different feeling that you'll never get anywhere else. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter what you do in life. That nothing will equate to the feeling of playing on stage and having that engagement with people. So I kind of miss that, and I want to try to um, get back to that to that level where I can play one or two shows that just you know that engagement with the crowd that I that I've missed for so long. So it's it's something cool and fun and, and every song is pretty different and i think that's what also will set us apart from most people is i don't care if it's you know one song is this and one song is this it's it's there are literally there's two the two songs that we're releasing coming up in the next couple of weeks are so stark different um that i'm i, I love it so much <laughs> if you could describe the music how would you describe it I have no idea. It's like an all. It's like an alternative. Uh, has a little darker vibe. Um, you know, it, it has. It, it has aspects of everything. You know, from from industrial to goth to pop to um, even more like. Someone said it sounds like there's one song in one part. It's like it has like it's very Beck influenced, which is you'd think would be a left field kind of situation. You know. So it, it's it's more or less I want to give people the option to put us in a in a in a category because I don't I can't put us in a category and I can't put us in even even in a genre to be to be uh, to be narrowed down to even nailed down I have no idea what kind of music and I I don't care because I, I mean maybe next week I'll put out like a super death metal song I I recorded a super super heavy song that I just I was like yeah I'll get to that someday you know it's like I I want to put out a pop song and then the next week put out like a like a Norwegian black metal song, you know? Nice. So what kind of instruments do you typically use in the studio? Um, I'm more like electronically based. So anything electronic, you know, whether it comes to keyboards or pianos, uh, but I've been like, I don't, I, I tend to dabble with other instruments, but I'm not good in anything. So I, you know, I, when we recorded one of the songs, I was, I picked up guitar and used, uh, an Ebo, but which is super easy. It's just single notes that it just resonates notes. So I got to be able to, you know, play guitar, um, but more electronic based stuff. You know, I, I think sticking with keyboard is my is my forte. So that's mostly what we 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 stick with when we go to the studio. And you know, you'll notice that if you listen to the music, it is very electronic based. There's not too much, you know, even even the drum pads are are electronic drums. There's no real drums in those songs because it's electronic based. So it's more of a a clubbier vibe, you know. Hmm. Do you have any favorite gear or software or anything like that? 
Um, I've always been, and I'm. I, before I left Motionless, I was endorsed by Roland, and anything Roland has ever put out has been a game changer. Um, I've always been a fan of the Phantom series. I think I know they discontinued it, but you know you can still get those Phantom series because you can control a lot of the the things from from the machine itself. As you can do a lot of um, you can do a lot of control over those things. And I like I'm I'm a very analog person when it comes to it, but you can kind of di- dip into that digital world when it comes to to all Roland projects, so uh, any products. So I mean, I I say stick with Roland, and I I love the Phantom series. You know, that's my that's my go-to. Nice. Do you have any specific uh, inspiration for the for the songs? Um, no, not really. And I think that's a great thing because you know when it, when you you really can't put pinpoint like oh this sounds like such and such or this sounds like such and such. So it's it's really tough. Like. I don't listen to, like, when I said that Beck reference, I don't listen to Beth, Beck. I know nothing about Beck, rather than, like, the two singles that are, like, from 20 years ago. Um, but I try to grab inspiration from, you know, myself. I don't even, when I design stuff or make things, like, visually, I don't look at, I try not to look at Pinterest and things like that. Or I try to create, you know, with the feelings that I, I have, you know, with the things that I'm going through. You know, I, I try to inspire myself because I don't want, you know, other things to control the overall product of what we're putting out so i think it's you know i I take inspiration from many things that are around me whether it's um uh you know a project that i'm working on or uh, a person that i'm hanging out with or my animals you know anything it depends on like the feelings that i'm feeling you know i i or depending on the music that i'm listening to for the the this this month you know it might be sad it might be happy it might be you know driven but no i I try to take inspiration from anything around me whether it is music or life so Mm. yeah maybe a better way to ask the question is for the your new songs that are coming out when you listen to them what are you feeling what are you going through um so a lot of these are um very connected with um the things that I'm going through currently. Well, well, one song is, it's called Laguna Vanity, is one song, and one of the lines is, um, you don't know who I am, but it's me talking to myself because I'm still trying to figure out what, who I am and what I want, you know? So the vibe of it is very, um, it's it's almost like a, a struggle between myself, and there's another one called, um, what the hell did we name it? I'm trying to think of the, the name that we actually, oh, Hate to Love. And it's about a, a, a struggle with I have with myself is like I have zero empathy and I, I have a hard time loving anything because I've just I was raised to be a hard ass, you know, so it's just one of those things where you want to be in love, but you don't know how to love because you've never loved before, you know, mm. so <clears throat> but the vibe is like the, the vibe is so sick. It, it, it It's so smooth and it goes so like you listen to it, you're just like you kind of get in this vibe of. You know, you can sit in the dark and, and listen to it, and it, it kind of just puts you in a good space. It's not sad. It's just it puts you in a good space, which I love with both of those songs. Mm. Where can people tune in and listen to your new songs or old songs? Um, right now we have two songs out on, um, I think, most platforms, whether it's Apple Music or Spotify or any other place like that. But I know I tend to push people towards Spotify or, or Apple Music. Those are the two main ones that most people have. Um, there's a song called wind me up, which was the first one we put out. And then a second one was called ready to die, which is very, very like theatrical. Like I tried to sing it as, you know, uh, I had a very phantom of the opera feel for it, but I wanted to move it. I wanted to make it like a movie score. Like someone can put this into a movie and be like controlling over the plot of the movie. So, and then the next two songs will be out, um, on all platforms on, I think April 24th, if I'm correct. Awesome. So moving along, how many tattoos do you think you have or know you have? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I'll say I'll say one. One tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have a lot of tattoos. I, I have no idea. You know, some are unfinished, some are finished. I have some spaces available, like my stomach. I'm terrified to get tattooed, but mm. my leg. I have a bunch of my legs and my back is tattooed. My arms are tattooed. My head's tattooed. My hands are tattooed. My palms tattooed. You know, it kind of is just, I, I've never even attempted to count mm. if there is, if there's, because a lot of them connect. So it's like, is that one? Is that 45? You know, 
<laughs> Do you have any one in particular that maybe means more to you than the others or one that you like a little bit more? Um, I have some of my dogs tattooed on my legs, which I really, really love. If anybody knows me, they love, they know how much I love my animals. Um, they mean super, 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 um, a lot to me. You know, mm. they, they're, they're like my basis for every day. And I have, uh, one dog that passed away a couple of years ago tattooed on me and then mm. my other dog Toronto. And I'm still, I'm going to get all the rest of my animals tattooed on me, you know, one by one throughout the next like year or two, just so I have them on me. Because like I said, they're, they're like, they keep me going every day. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, you, you'll never be alone because you have the, you know, your pets. Mm. Do you have any favorite artists or go-to artists? Um, I really like a whole lot of artists. There's a, a lot of, of people that are doing stunning art now. You know, I love um, anybody down at Seance um, in Philadelphia, Paul Acker, Paul Marino, like the, the, those guys down there, they're just killing everything and doing such a good job. There's, you know, people at Great and Glory in New York City, like Megan Massacre um, and, and all the crew there, Nikki Simpson and all those there's there's so many people like i love um there, there's too many to name you know there's there's so many good artists out there that are just really changing what tattoos are you know when you look even look 10 10 to 15 years ago and see how much it's changed to now you know i i was in that world for a little bit and you know just seeing the progression of what tattooing has become from what it has been is is so outstanding hmm. Any future tattoo ideas? I know you just mentioned your puppy dogs and your pets and stuff like that. Um, I really want to get tattooed by the twins in Salem. I don't know if you guys, mm. if you know the the Murray brothers or um, literally their their aesthetic is so on point and they're such good tattoo artists that I want them both to start one start on one side of my 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 torso and the other side on the other and just come inside and kind of join forces to create something that's you know, just super next level because everything they do is just so on point and on brand with what I do. And I love every single thing. I don't think they've ever put out a tattoo that I've disliked. And even their art, you know, the, the way they look, I think they, they're super, they're these twins that are just, they look so fucking cool and they are, and they are so cool and they're yeah. so nice. And I'm just like, you motherfuckers are like perfect, you assholes. <laughs> so tell, tell me about, uh, the strange and unusual oddities parlor. Um, it's just something that I, you know, kind of created a, a while ago because I was, I was getting into collecting things and, and, you know, I was on tour going, you know, day to day going to antique shops and these weird little occult shops and, and kind of collecting things and meeting people and networks and kind of growing from there. And, and there is, there was just one day where I just had so much stuff at my house that I was just like, what do I do with this stuff? And, you know, I've always wanted to own my, my own thing. You know, it's just like, you know, Motionless and White was a, it was a group effort, you know, and I was like, you know, I want something that's my own. And, you know, all these other band dudes are starting clothing lines. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to do something that has more of like a, an impact on, on our area and everything else. But um, a big thing is that I just wanted to, to do something, you know, that I was proud to be a part of. And, you know, we kind of, I just went and I was like, you know, fuck it. We're just going to open this store and I'm just going to, you know, take a shot at it. And, and it was, it was kind of history from there. No one ever thought it would do what it's done. And everybody had little faith, you know, just like emotionless. No one had any faith in motionless when we first started because we were just these bunch of weirdos wearing makeup. And same thing with strange, you know, I put it in this little fucking town, Kingston, Pennsylvania. People were like, this isn't going to last. You're crazy. If you're going to put this here, you know, fast forward years and years later, I've, I, I have a giant store on, you know, one of the busiest roads in the area next to a, a fucking Dairy Queen, you know, and we're, we're doing, you know, I just opened a cafe inside and it's, you know, unfortunately the stupid quarantine sucks, but, you know, before that and hopefully after that, it's, it's always hustling and bustling in there and it's, it's busy and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for all the people that have supported what I've created and, and what is coming in the future that I will be creating as well. Mm. So what would you want and expect people to feel when they first walk into The Strange and Unusual? I want them to feel like they're in, you know, some place that they've never seen before. It's it's an experience. I want them to, to feel like they're in a whole different world where they're escaping their, their normals. And, you know, you're not going into a store that has drop ceiling with fluorescent lighting and, and shelving like you're in a grocery store like every other place. You know, I wanted to make a place where you've come and you've never 
it, it almost makes it you transform into a place, whether you know, transform into a movie or into into a dream or things like that. You know, including some of the things that you've you've created. You know, that in the store that people like, they'll come in and they'll they'll awe over and and they just they're like, oh, I've never seen things like this and I love it. And then they understand it once they come in and you know, it's it becomes an experience. And that's what everything I love to create is an experience. And the strange and unusual is my you know, my opus, you know, it's, it's, it's an experience. And it's, I think people understand what I've created. And that's what was the hardest thing. And I was like, people aren't going to get this. And, you know, from the first day that we opened the doors till, you know, today, people understand what, what I'm creating and, and, and they feel the same feeling I get. And they have that almost like it's like a, a ride and attraction. And then not only the attraction, now you can buy things that are inside of it. Like I can take all the inventory out of the store and you can walk in the store and still feel, that feeling you know and then you you put it with things that are also crazy and and, and things that you'll never you, you'll never see at a walmart or a dick sporting goods you know it's it's a one-of-a-kind wonder and i think it's crazy you know then a lot of and it doesn't exist very many places there's there's a handful of us and we're all friends and it, we there's there's not a lot of us and i think it's 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 nice to be a part of that community yeah yeah for sure what are some of uh, maybe the most memorable items that have passed through the shop? Um, I think super memorable things. Like I have one of the first things I got was a stillborn horse, which I still have and I love. And I think it was just one of those one of those pieces that when I first got it, I was like, man, this is a game changer. This is crazy. This is unreal. And then I remember getting my first human skull and my first human skeleton. You know, and then till date to date now, I've had you know like hundreds of skulls and many many skeletons and things like that. So it just depends on you know, what aspects of collecting. Because when I was first collecting, I mean, getting my first human skull was was literally, it was game-changing. I never thought I would get anything cooler than that. It was actually from Ben um, at Skull Store up in Canada, and I got it from him randomly in somewhere, and I don't even remember how, but um, it, it was just one of those things where you're just like, this is, I don't need to collect anything else. This is it. It, I it, was, it was like the centerpiece of the store when I first opened, um, and it wasn't for sale, um, and you know, it was, I, I would say that was the best, the the best part of, the, my favorite part of collecting was the first time I got a human skull. And then, you know, now, till now, you know, you have, you'll, you know what I have, but, <laughs> yeah. um, so, but it's, 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 I think that was the, the changing point in my life was getting my first human skull and it kind of changed my life. And, but now nothing's good enough. You know, you'll get like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I wish I had this. Now I want this. I was like, I want like uh, I want a, a human pet. That's what I want. I'm just gonna... <laughs> uh, what are some current things that you have that are just kind of awe striking to visitors? I know you have that really big lion in your Kingston store. And I mean, the uh... lion's always a go-to, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and in the Philly store, I have a giant, a giant bear. He's about seven and a half feet tall. That's always a big one. I, I had an ostrich that people really loved for a while. I sold him. Um, but I mean, I really, I'm trying to think what's crazy in there. Yeah. I think the two big things that people love the most in the store are, well, three things. They love the stillborn horse. They love the lion and they love your chandelier. Those are three <laughs> things that nice. people mostly, you know, they, they, they kind of just circle around and take pictures and, and do things like that. But yeah, I mean, we've, I've, I've steered away from a little more of the crazier things because people you know, I, I, I tend to keep those in my personal collection to, you know, just so we are in Kingston, Pennsylvania. So there's things where we've had mummified things and, and, and you know, it's I try to I try to hit that level, that gray area of if a 40 year old um, soccer mom comes in, she's still going to love every aspect and kind of get a little freaked out, but not freaked out enough to run out the front door. <laughs> what are some common items that you usually always have in stock? Um, I mean, we always have things like raccoon tails and rabbit feet and bath bombs and any kind of um, witchcraft items, whether it comes to, you know, your starter books, your your sage. Sage is a big one for us. And um, any kind of um, jewelry and things like that. The little pickables are the big ones. And any kind of framed insects, we always sell a lot of those because they they look pretty on a desk. You know, we've sold, we sold them anywhere from, to, from doctors to, to, um, to students, you know, things like that, that you can put on your desk and, or on your mantle at home and have a conversation piece. Cause it's just that enough, it's just that enough bit of weird where you can, you know, have that conversation and not seem like a, a crazy lunatic. But, 
Um, yeah, I would say things like that. You know, the frame frame butterflies, insects, bath bombs, and like, you know, little tchotchkes like the the rabbit feet and raccoon tails. Mm. So when you first started the Strange and Unusual, was it? Did you have any like maybe community drawback? Were they supportive? Were they kind of like, eh, what are you doing over there? I don't know. What was that like? Um, it was completely. Everyone told me I was going to fail. Um, <laughs> even my accountant told me I was going to fail. He said retail is suicide. He's like, you're crazy for doing anything like that. But you know, it was a kind of thing where I love taking risks because you always learn from, even if you fail, you learn so much from those failures. And I think that's a, that's a good standpoint to have in life. And I think I just persevere because I don't give up and I'm too, I'm, I have too much pride as a human being and it sucks. Like I will never let anybody tell me that I can't do anything or I won't do anything. And it like pisses me off. But you know, as soon as we open those doors, people, people had nothing negative to say because they, they, you know, it was, like I said, I created something that wasn't, I didn't have like, um, I think we had a couple, the only thing that people, some people had an issue with is I had some Nazi memorabilia that someone consigned, uh, an older man, uh, an older gentleman. He's like, can I consign this? And I was like, I guess so. You know, we had it in there for a little bit and those are the only things that were really an issue, but you know, it's history. You know, you have, those are things you learn about and those things you have conversations about because you can't forget about those things. And I think the same thing with, um, I don't commission anybody to kill any animals. You know, I love animals. Uh, I try to get as many vintage things as I can or ethically sourced as I can. And, you know, it's a conversation piece. And it's, people need to learn about these things. They can't be forgotten. You know, I think um, learning about taxidermy and learning about animals, I've sold many things to, to uh, universities and schools to, and vet- uh, to, to vets and things like that to be able to learn um, about those, those, the animals or this or that, you know, and whether it's human bones and I've sold a lot to, to, you know, to schools and teachers and kids that are learning, you know, it's, it's, it's great, but you know, there, there was, everyone's always been very appreciative to what I've brought to our area, which I can, I can never, ever, you know, take away from our area. I think that's why I love to stay here is because, you know, I feel like I can create things and people still think I'm weird, but they're like, okay, we get it. Yeah. Do you have any advice for, you know, any audience members that, you know, maybe they're interested in, you know, taxidermy, bones, witchcraft, you know, uh, alternative lifestyle, but they just don't have that, you know, that support. Do you have any advice for those audience members? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we're all out here. I mean, whether it's me, you, or the, the hundreds or thousands of people that do what we do, you go to those markets that um, whether Mike's on or Ryan, Matthew Cohen, or many other people put on, like those are a breeding ground for a, for your networking. You know, you can learn a lot through those people, and all of those vendors will sit there and talk to you. All of you know, if you hit up your local anything, they will have those conversations with you. You're not alone in in, in your in the the progress of what you're doing. You come to our store. All of my girls always have conversations with you, whether it's you know Heather. Um, that works for me is 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 a witch and she loves to have those conversations about you know stones and you know candles and what what which way you want to practice and how you want to practice it and when we have you know Jacqueline who's a works at cafe who's also a Reiki master they can tell you about you know, you know your energy and things like that and how to how to tune those things you know and there's many other people in in our world that you know just have a conversation with them you know maybe some are going to be assholes maybe some aren't you know the the best thing you can do is just have those conversations and you know uh, you know feel them properly out make sure you're knowledgeable about the things that you're trying to get into don't just do it because it's cool do it because you want to mm. uh, what are some of your thoughts for retail as far as like a post covid-19 kind of world um, well, we're all going to die and retail is dead. Uh, no, I think once it opens, it's going to be, I think we're going to have a flood of a great, uh, a great economy. I think once these doors open, I think people are going to, they're not going to have a lot of money, but they're going to spend the money that they have. And I think they're going to be grateful for the things they have. I think they're going to go to your local coffee shop. They're going to, they're going to tip 50%, 40%, you know, they're going to go and what they can, they're going to go and try to work as hard as they can. They're going to try to buy things that they took for granted you know it's like oh, i really wanted this i wanted to save up for this and i i could have afforded it but you know i went with getting this thing instead now you're going to see those people are going to buy those things you know retail is definitely a very 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 tough market and i i battle it every single day and um it's it's a terrifying world but you have to know how to stay relevant and stay you know you know active and and passionate about the product that you're selling and and the things you you know we do things like krampus events like weird things like little pop-ups inside of our store to keep 
you know, that, that blood rushing. Cause once you, once you are complacent with what you have, you're going to die. So it's, the thing is you have to know how to, to gauge into your community and be a part of your community. You know, whether like I'm doing a thing right now where we just got a bunch, I ordered a bunch of, um, uh, labeled strange unusual hand sanitizer like a month ago and I finally got it in. And instead of, you know, I could have charged $10 a bottle if I wanted to, but I didn't, I charged for basically what I paid for it. And then I, I'm donating a bunch of it because uh, I, who would, who, who would the strange and unusual be if it wasn't for the people that are supporting it? Mm. Right, right. Yeah, I saw on your Instagram uh, you donated them to the hospital, uh, and was it also the local police officers yeah. as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have a, we have a bunch more people that we're trying to donate to as well. I, I have a bunch to ship to Philly for some some medical people. I've I've donated some to some. Um, funeral homes because they you know mm. they they they're everyone is it has a lack of it and i just i just stumbled upon it at the right time where i ordered it and you know i'm actually just ordered a bunch of masks too that will, will have strange unusual masks that i'll be able to give out and have things like that so you know i don't know if it's selfish of me to have the strange unusual on it i don't know if that's shitty but you know <laughs> i'm still i'm unfortunately at the end of the day i'm still a business owner and i'm trying oh. to you know, I'm trying to battle the best of worth, both worlds. Like, uh, like, hey, this person is the person that supported me, and then when this is all over, I hopefully they come, and you know, they support me because I've, you know, I still have to pay my 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 mortgages. I still have to pay, you know, these things. I have I have to, I had to lay off my employees so they can collect and have and some kind of income because you know they are also the people that keep my business going or the people that you know we have we are a family. And, you know, it's like these little things are. Are, are very important whether it's a two dollar and fifty thing on two dollar and fifty cent thing that's online that you're purchasing it goes a very very long way to keeping my doors open many of these businesses are going to have to close after this situation mm. and it's it's really really unfortunate so you know definitely support the people and you know i think day by day is how we're going to figure this out tell me more about all your other businesses and projects like the the salon what the the coffee the cafe you have the events that you put on Pick one and let's dive into it. I, I guess I guess the cafe is a good one to start. You know, we did this um, Harry Potter inspired cafe um, inside the Strange and Unusual. You know, we were thinking about doing its own location, but I just figured there was this one part of the store where I hated so much because people would just walk. I loved the way it looked, but people would just walk right by it because it was right as soon as you get in the store, people never wanted to like stop immediately. They wanted to go through that spot. So you know, I took that 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 corner and basically. You know, made it into this little cafe. I had a little office that I, I just blew out the wall and, and put a little um, kitchen-ish area. You know, with you know your sinks, your espresso machines, and things like that. And you know, it was it was a great decision. You know, it it brought in new clientele to the strange and unusual. So it's it's almost like that Starbucks in Target. You know, that's what the vibe. You know, well, obviously a very 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 different vibe. But um, you know, it's just something that brings the people that were terrified to come to the strange and unusual now they're okay with coming in the doors and kind of experiencing and then understanding that you know we do have things that they would grab whether it's a, a sage or a, you know a salt spray or anything that you know connects to them and um and then right after that i did um i opened a salon and spa called uh it's called batty fang and it's you know it, it to me it was i just wanted to I go into these, I mean, I always get my nails done and I, I, I go to spas all the time and it's just always the cookie cutter, you know, your gray walls with your, you know, your white trim and it's, it's the same basic thing. So I wanted to, you know, bring that, I, we call it uh, a luxury from an era past, you know, that Victorian vibe where we have these, you know, big golden um, salon chairs and, and old cherub wallpaper and tin ceilings and i have one room that i call i call it the garden of eden there's a there's a piano where you can dry your nails and i have grass on the floor and and a lot of um uh flowers hanging from the ceiling and things like that that are just a little bit more creative so when you come in just like the strange unusual it is an experience so it's 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 a good time and i think we're we're going to do a lot of things like we're going to grow and grow and grow from there to be able to you know, create that that one of a kind experience within those things. The girls that we have are all A plus. Everything, every service that we have are the best of the best. And I think it's you know we didn't skim when we went for for that that um that little extra. And um you know the, the another project I do noir nights is is like kind of like a just like a goth club night. It's nothing crazy. You know, it's just 
uh, a bunch of friends. We get together, we do, we put people in cages and we light people on fire. You know, the usual stuff that most people do at, <laughs> at things, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, it's all about, those things are all about lighting and, and things like that. Um, you know, just to have its music because in our area, it's a lot of those country bumpkin kind of human beings where it's all country bars, you know? So it's, so for people like us where, I mean, I, I listen to country sometimes it's fine, but I don't want to go to a country bar. So I take over stage West, which is a, a, my friend owns the bar and we do a thing called noir nights where it's our style, our way. And, um, and people really seem to dig it. We've done a handful of them and every single time they, they pretty much sell out, they either sell out or pretty much sell out. And, people really appreciate like what we're doing it's a very safe environment and for for people that are you know like-minded which is really great i'm actually also i'm, I'm i i we did a i, I joined Fe uh, forces with beetle house and we did a beetle house pop-up in, in washington dc for a few months which was really really awesome um and we're about to um i joined forces with the owners of beetle house to open up uh, another restaurant um i can't say the name yet but it's going to be on Hollywood Boulevard in LA and it's, it's this carnival circus vibe, um, classy, nice. It's, it's going to be probably one of my best experiences that I've, I've created so far, um, with it. I got to work with a team for once rather than just working mostly by myself and friends. So there's, there's a lot of things that are unraveling from this quarantine, which is nice. Uh, we were actually supposed to open April 1st, but you know, Corona got us. <laughs> Uh, so for your new location in LA, is there any, uh, could you tell us maybe a little bit about, uh, expected experiences, what people can expect when they go in? Um, it'll be almost like a modern day, you know, Barnum and Bailey minus the animals, you know, it's whether we're going to have, um, acts on stage or they're going to have a ringleader and things like that. And also, you know, trapeze and you know, I don't want to say too much without giving it away, you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's, it's definitely going to be something that from every, I, I created it. So every, every which way you look, it's, it's a moment, you know, whether it's on the stage or on the wall or behind you or up or wherever you look, there's, there's something to take in, whether it's the food is all themed and has a very, very, um, uh, an amazing touch to it and all, everything is well thought out from the dessert menu to the, to the dinner menu to, even how you valet your car is going to be themed. So it's, it's definitely going to be something a little different and a little extra. And, 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 and we're, I'm trying to stay away from that cheesy element. So it's, it's done right, which is, which is really, really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. sounds like you're all over the place. You've been all over the place. Do you have any favorite maybe cities or places to go? Yeah, it's called, um, right here. <laughs> I mean, I've, tra I've traveled honestly everywhere and, and then no, no, nothing really treats me like our area treats us. You know, I hate the cold, you know, but besides that, you know, when the, the spring and fall in our area is literally the best. I've been to Australia. I've been to England. I've been to Asia. I've been to Mexico. I've been to, you know, Canada. I've been all of these places, West Coast, East Coast. Um, I, I, I appreciate the things that they have to offer, but at the end of the day, I love coming home and, 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 and having our area because it's so untapped and there's so much potential here that I want to hone into it and, and, and create it. You know, it's like a lot of those cities, they have everything and then you can still create and do one of a kind things, but they kind of get washed away where you, if you create one of a kind things here, they're just, they're one of a kind and it's true and people appreciate it. So I love this area, you know, a, don't get me wrong. I would love to live on a beach in Australia. I don't really like the sun that much, but I like, I love water. You know, if I can escape somewhere into the mountains with my own lake and mm. no people, you know, that's kind of what I want. But, you know, as of right now, I'm, this is, this is the place I want to be. And I think this is the place where I'm going to stay and create and create and create. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for those in the audience that are unaware, uh, Josh and I, we both live in the Scranton, Pennsylvania area. Northeast Pennsylvania. Yeah. Until, I, until the day I die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a truly a unique place, especially from like all the uh, the anthracite coal region and uh, all like the uh, Lackawanna coal mine tour. Classic, classic tour attraction. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're stuck in the past, and I I love it so much. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So you mentioned your pets. Tell us a little bit about your pets. Your right, babies. So I have. I have Toronto, Gucci, and Volta, which are three Pomeranians. Um, Toronto and Gucci are both black palms, and Volta is a blue Merle palm. She's super cute. 
Um, and then I have two hairless cats. One is Moon and one is Pia. They're all super cute. If anybody ever thinks they have the cutest animals, they've never seen my animals. Um, and that is a bet. And that is something I will 100% win because I have the most perfect animals that's ever that have ever existed. So um, they definitely mean the world to me. And I do everything I can so I can have them have the best life they have. I actually have a yard inside of my house when it rains outside or snows outside because they don't like to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, tell me more about that indoor yard. What's it? What's it like? What'd you have to do? How big is it? Um, it's like I'm staring at it right now. Um, <laughs> it's like ten by eighteen, I think, like oh, that. Wow. Um, it actually used to be real dirt and grass. I actually had sod put in and, and built an actual um, situation, but I didn't know how hard it was to take care of inside grass. So I actually just ripped it up and put in um, fake grass. So I have mm. a little things. So what I'm going to eventually do is I'm going to make it like a little garden for them with obviously fake plant, fake plants or plants that they can, you know, they are allowed to eat. Cause there's a lot of plants that are harmful to animals. And I'll do like a little fire hydrant and I, I have a little irrigation system so it can wash off. So there's, you know, the pee will go into, you know, such and such. And, um, but yeah, I, I wanted to create cool things for them. And even though they're, you know, four or five pound animals, you know, mm-hmm. I want them to, I love when they have free roam of 14,000 square feet. <laughs> yeah. They're your babies for sure. What's, so you mentioned uh, indoor grass. What, what kind of issues did you have with that? Um, it dying. Uh, <laughs> um, it was tough because, you know, I would water it and keep it, yeah. you know, irrigate it a little bit, but it was just with the i didn't have enough dirt i guess you have to have a certain amount of dirt for it to for it to root into and it was just there was patches that were very very green and thriving but then there was also other patches and then you put poop on top of that you know and it, it just it wasn't a good situation so it, it wasn't like a smelling situation it never really smelled terrible it was just more of a i couldn't keep it green and vibrant and it would drive me nuts so mm-hmm. it was just it needed to be done a little bit more professional and i just didn't have the time to um, and I don't want to, you know, I didn't know how extensive it would have been. So I just kind of, you know, nixed that and just put in the, in the fake. And it's just a, a lot more of an easier situation. That I don't have to worry about. Mm. Uh, do you have any history with gardening or plant growth or anything like that? No, but I, I really, I think one of my biggest things in my life is I want to be that old man with a nice green lawn and a garden. Like I like to garden. I like, I appreciate gardening and, and I love the look of, you know, a, a proper English garden and things like that. I think it stems from, you know, I'm guessing Edward Scissorhands and the things that he's done to his house. And I kind of want to, you know, have that same vibe here as where it's this huge, you know, topiaries and, and, and a mystical English garden style uh, in my house. So I do want to learn a little bit more about that. And I think in the future, once I, my like life slows down a little bit, I think that's kind of one of my, one of my, it will be one of my newer hobbies. Um, all right. So I have a supporter question for you. Um, if you can stand the social distance of six feet away from anyone alive or dead, who would it be and why? Um, I would love to spend, wait, I, I if I can spend time with somebody else or do I have to be six feet away from the bottom? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be six foot away spending time with someone. You know who I'd really love to spend time with is Freddie Mercury you know, from uh, the singer of queen. Mm, Cause yeah. I think he did, he did so many weird things and he was so <laughs> like, good. he made queen an experience, you know, that's that kind of what taps onto what I, I know. I, I feel like that's a very left field answer. I feel like people are trying to, think i would say something else but i've always been fascinated by the world of queen and and and, well, and freddie mercury himself is you know how he held himself and how he created uh, a, basically an alter ego that you know spanned um his lifetime i think that was in- incredible and i think people like that are intelligent in themselves they're not you know there's a lot of these people that are are very are very like intelligent but i don't think i don't think i'm smart enough to have a conversation with those intelligent people where I'm, I think I'm, I, I can hold a conversation with someone that is intelligent in a creative way. And that's mm. where I, I like that about him. Nice. So with this whole quarantine and COVID-19, um, so you've been, we've all been stuck in, you know, isolation, essentially. Uh, do you have any favorite quarantine meals? Um, quarantine meals. I think it's, it's 
a lot of pasta has been happening because it's so easy to make and, mm. and things like that. And um, pasta and like grilled cheese, that's, I'm not a very good chef. I would also, I would love to become a pet chef, have my mm. own TV show as a pet chef. I think maybe someday that'll come. But uh, no, it's, it's a lot of like uh, nine-year-old food. That's what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm basically trailer trash, um, garbage food kind of human being. Like I love hot dogs and hamburgers and, and grilled cheese and, and, and spaghetti. You know, that's kind of where my, my life kind of just, I peaked when I was nine years old. You know? <laughs> I got to say, um, yeah, same, just kind of like frozen stuff and like veggies whenever I could find them, whatever. But, yeah. um, Last night was probably the best meal of the entire quarantine. Um, I had vegan lasagna and vegan uh, stuffing from this place. It was like a they made it in the kitchen and then you just uh, oh, I think they delivered it. And then it was um oh, so good. It's from Casenza's in Bear Creek. God damn, it's so good. They have like uh yeah, they have in Bear Creek, they actually have a vegan menu. Now, That's for those, yeah, those listening, Bear Creek is very rural, very like out of out of nowhere. This very, uh, yeah. Italian place has a vegan menu, incredible, and it's really good. The um, I guess the owner's daughters are vegan, and they are like pushing on their parents, which hell yeah, push it, push it, push it. Super tasty food. Makes sense. Mm, uh, do you have like a like a, what would be in your bug out bag if you could have one? You know what's weird? I was literally just watching a thing on prep, <laughs> like doomsday prepping. Yeah. Like, how do I? I'm like, what am I? What am I? What am I gonna start putting together? You know, what am I doing? You know, um, I'm a very tactical human being. Like I think tools would be my go-to. Mm. You know, whether it's a little shovel, a little fire starter, things like that. And you know, uh, I can I can survive. I think on 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 very very little because I. You know, I love to work with my hands. I would build everything, you know, with my, with, I would just put those essential things, but I would put like, you know, some kind of, tr figure out how to have music and, you know, some kind of, um, maybe a puzzle. <laughs> Get a some uh, crypto quips or whatever you <laughs> yeah. Something to keep my brain going. But no, it's a lot of tools, I would think, you know, to mm. be able to create and, and, and build and, and rebuild and you know things like that and fish and like i love fishing i don't really eat fish but i love fishing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. is there anywhere in particular that you'd uh, plan to bug out to um i kind of have a little bit of a fortress here i think i really thought about you know building secret rooms and things <sighs> like that where where you'd never be able to find them without you know actually having a blueprint of my building so i think something like that or I've been really looking into finding a plot of land, uh, maybe about 45 minutes away, and have and building myself a little, you know, a, a solar off the grid um, mm. compost situation. You know, nice. it's it's definitely something I've been looking into. So I I just I haven't gotten that far yet, but it's definitely on my list. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, lately it's just like uh, occasionally I'll have some downtime. I'll put Netflix on and quickly try and find something. And um, yeah, I, th I think I was watching uh, Doomsday Preppers for a minute on Netflix. That's, there, that's what I was watching. Yeah, I was literally just watching before. Our, our <laughs> oh my! God. They must be having the time of their fucking life right now. Just this is what this is what they were planning for. You know, like oh man, oh, yeah. if you're a prepper, you yeah, you must be loving this. And um. Also, ancient aliens. Oh, jeez. Uh, are there any crazy uh, conspiracy theories that you find interesting? Not necessarily believe, but just like, damn. I mean, I've, I mean, I've been to um, a few of the sites where that you know where oh, fucking. Now, now I feel stupid with all the rocks in a circle. Oh, like Stonehenge. Stone. I've been to Stonehenge. Yeah. And, it's impossible. It's impossible. I believe I 120% believe in an extraterrestrial life. And I think it's out there. And I think it's 100% controlling the things that we do, whether it's, it seems crazy or not, there is definitely a, a higher power that we don't know about out there, whether it's an alien or just some kind of life force that's just, whether it's a higher, it's, it's a human being that controls, you know, you know, people like, Elon Musk and um, Bill Gates and people like that are just too, they're just too much for 
you know the, the normal civilization like us and there has to be a reason for for those type of people so i think a lot of those conspiracies are very very true i think there's some goofy ones like you know whether um you, you know there's there's some definitely some goofy ones but i think there is definitely a a, a different force out there that is is almost making us like a you know, we're a game. We're the Truman Show, if you will. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Yeah, that movie fucked me up as a kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. I um, This episode will probably air before the episode I'm about to talk about, but I interviewed um, a historian that specifically focused on the pagan society that created, supposedly created Stonehenge, and he said with all his digging, all his research, that he strongly believes that Stonehenge was created by man. And he, yeah, he wrote an entire book on it. And it's very interesting stuff. So I love seeing the both sides, you know, whether yeah. it's like flat earth or like, um, uh, what, what's another, yeah, like alien life, which, I mean, to be realistic, how can there not be alien life somewhere in the universe? You know, like that's insane There's too much yeah too way much out there, yeah. way too much and um one one that always fucks me up with um ancient aliens is when they talk about uh lizard people in on the west coast and the hollow earth and shit i'm like what the fuck dude it definitely goes a little it goes a little too far sometimes but you know yeah, yeah. it's just and, like any anything you know it's like th this person tells a story and by the time it gets to the 10th person it's a whole different story but yeah it, you know it's it has this bits of truth to it so you always have to take those little things and be like oh, you know what's the most realistic thing that can happen in this you know hollow earth or, or reptilians and things yeah, like that yeah oh for sure yeah it's it's fascinating because the most popular conspiracy theories like is extreme it's pretty much impossible for a, an average person to debunk you know like we're not going to fly spaceships to you know outer space just to double check earth you know make sure it's a globe you know and that gravity is yeah. right and stuff it's just yeah yeah definitely gotta be cautious on what you believe or get um the earth is round let's by. just get that out right there. right right <laughs> yeah yeah um i'm not yeah. that crazy right right oh yeah too too much going on to get crazy about that kind of stuff uh yeah tell me about uh like your childhood and your environment that really allowed to foster who you are today um, I think in my childhood, you know, just, it was, it was normal, you know, normal, this area, you know, I, I grew up with not a ton of money and, you know, we kind of j jumped around whether I lived with my mother or my father or my grandmother, I kind of jumped around. I kind of, you know, uh, I learned how to survive. I was a very survivalist when I was a kid because I, I was a very lonely kid. I was always by like trying to figure out things by myself and trying to, you know, figure out how to be a fucking kid and how to how to do those things whether it's you know we we grew up in a house and my dad got sick and we lost money and we had to move to a trailer park and i lived in a trailer park and i was embarrassed when i was younger and you know it's, it, it turned me into the go-getter and the survivalist that i've become today you know those little things that add up that you don't know you don't understand what built you know it's like my father taught me how to be who i am by basically pushing me away a little bit you know and being like you know be a man throw you in the throw you in the lake learn how to swim you know but he's always been like that so he was always like that and you know it's that's how it's how it's been it's you know now with my life now it's just you know if something comes ahead of me it's if it gets thrown in front of me i just basically take that 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 same situation where it's you throw me into a lake and i'm gonna learn how to swim you throw uh, me into a thing that I've never done, I'm going to learn how to do it, you know, so it's, it's definitely stemmed from my childhood to today that, you know, you know, those little bits of things that turned me in the survivalist I am today. Mm. Uh, do you have any specific inspirations while growing up, whether it was the music or just, um, I know, I know personally for me, um, like just the rebellion of, you know, CKY and Jackass, that like, you know, and skateboarding that helped uh, inspire me and my friends to cultivate like our own personalities and goofy ways and whatnot. 
Honestly, same. I, I think I went exactly down the same path. I loved CKY and Jackass, and I skated almost every day. Literally, in my house right behind me, I have a, I have a half pipe in my house. You know, it's I I grew up with that world. I loved I loved Jackass and CKY and Haggard and all that yeah. bullshit. It, it did really create who I was because I, I felt fearless and I felt unstoppable, and I was just like, you know, that's. I was like, this is the world I want to be, and I want to be fearless, and I want to be I want to be who I want to be, whether it's a crazy human being or you know the normal dude you know they, they had all specs of personalities in that situ- in those situations which is really weird to think back that how that world has spawned a whole group of human beings and you know we're not all we're, we're doing all right you know it's just <laughs> very very terrifying yeah yeah one thing uh definitely in reflection to that time of my, of my life just growing up it definitely allowed me to recognize my limits and really allowed me to push my limits whether it's like like oh like what's gonna happen if i do like shopping carts you know at at redner's or something you know like yeah, what are people yeah. reaction or and just like you know pushing my own like oh i i can't um you know, uh, like even if it's in my art, pushing my artistic limits, you know, and my video videography limits. It's uh, yeah, very. It's all about it's all about pushing the limits, and I think they made us make make that seem like it was okay. It was yeah. okay to push. It was okay to push and push and push, and I think that's what creates you know people like us. <laughs> For, yeah, yeah. Uh, when when you were growing up, did you ever like make any kind of art? Whether it's like painting, a performance, or really any way to express yourself? Um, yeah, I kind of got into music kind of young. Um, I didn't know how to play very well, but I was always intrigued by being, you know, you know, ex- expressing myself through being loud and being, you know, up there in front and kind of doing those things. I never got into uh, artistry, things like that. I've always wanted to. Um, I've painted a few things. I've drawn, I've drawn a few things. Like even until today, I'll do like a lot of my mock-ups. I'll, I'll draw and design them myself. And I just wish I was more of an experienced artist. But yeah, I, th- I think music kind of paved my way into being the, cre- into being creative. Uh, and then just, you know, whether knowing knowing how to play back then or not, it was just an expression, and it was just pushing, and it was just like it was freeing and exhilarating and and it was was an expression of who I was and I think music kind of you know made who I am today for sure Mm. um so similar to me where I'm uh vegan um tell us about um are you straight edge uh yeah I've actually been straight edge my entire life uh a Mm. good solid 30 years um of no cigarettes no alcohol no drugs um I actually tried to do the vegan, uh, even vegetarian thing pretty recently within the last year. And, um, cause I did a lot of work out in California with this new restaurant and it was actually very, very easy out there. I went, like a, I, I went a while with not touching anything except for being vegan. And I was like, this is great. I can do this. It's no issue. Like I love animals. I feel like a giant hypocrite when I eat meat. I, I, I hate it so much. And I came home and it was just so fucking difficult, mm. you know, it was just because I don't cook a lot. I eat out a lot because I'm always running and going and going. So it's just definitely something I want to I want to touch back into uh, some part of my life, whether it's being a vegetarian. I don't know if I can do the whole vegan thing, but uh, vegetarian for sure. But no, I'm, I've been I've been straight edge my entire life. And I think it's something that's I'm going to hold on to the rest of my life because I have no urge to, you know, um, to do anything but you know i it's weird because i'm the, i think i'm one of the only straight edge people that thinks i i think uh the the legalization of marijuana should be on the full front of everything i think it's it's a very harmless drug and it's very helpful you know there are some idiots that are just stupid and they want to sit on their couch and smoke pot but you know i think the um i think the legalization of it would be great but yeah i'm in my own ideals i'm very very straight edge hmm. what uh what kind of sparked that what uh what inspired you to go straight edge um i don't know i just um, i grew up uh, you know my family i've watched people overdose in front of me i watched people get drunk and hammered and be shitty to each other in front of me and you know um it's just one of those things that i just didn't want to turn into the product of my environment and i kind of just stayed away from it and then once you hit that certain point people are kind of you know, it's hard to become, to be straight edge in, in school and in high school and when you're young because people don't get it and they don't understand. They're like, well, you know, just try this out. But then once you turn it to an adult and you tell people you don't smoke or drink, they're like, wow, good for you. You know, that's crazy. I wish I could do the same. So it's just, you know, once you get past that childhood state, it's all, you know, it's, 
it literally I have zero urge to even touch any of that stuff um, mm. ever, you know. And I've been through some shit, and I've still been like, nah, I'd rather just go like shoot something or you know <laughs> eat some food. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for audience members that are looking to up their discipline game, uh, maybe share some tips uh, like how you overcome obstacles of especially peer pressure. Yeah, definitely in high school. Um, I think a big thing was, you know, just taking it day by day and trying to find another outlet to push those things towards, whether it's, you know, music or creating with your hands. I think that's very, very powerful. Like go out and make something with your hands. It's going to, it's, it's that repetition that your body wants, you know, whether it's smoking or, you know, doing drugs, it's, it's drugs. They, they, you want a different world. You want to go to a different world that makes you feel better, you know, create that world. You don't need to, you don't need those drugs to make you have a, uh, to be in a different world. Like I said, with the strange and unusual and everything I create is an experience. So I get to live a different experience. It's like being high or being drunk. It's like, I get to live in a dream state. I get to create dreams and do things like that. So those are what my outlets are. And those are how I, I like to go. Mm. So tell us about your future dream projects. What are they looking like? Oh, I, we'll never be able to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, you, know, you know, I don't, I don't know what I want. And that's, yeah. what I think is the biggest thing for this, this, for my world is like, I have no idea what my end game is yet because I have no idea what I want and how I want to end up in life. You know, like I said, I just, my biggest thing is to make people happy. I was actually watching The Greatest Showman last night, and there's like a quote by um, P.T. Barnum is, you know, something about making people happy. You know, the greatest thing, the greatest feeling you can have is making people happy. And I, I think that's very true. You know, I like what makes me happy is making people happy. And as long as I'm creating those things, I'm going to keep on creating, you know, whether it's a, a restaurant or an oddities parlor or a cafe or a I want to do a haunted house. I want to do mm. a lot of things that are, you know, experience based. So, you know, it's just the fact of I need to clone myself and have someone give me a whole lot of money. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel you with that. So as we wrap up the show, um, is there anything you want to talk about that maybe we didn't get a chance to speak on yet? Uh, no, I think just kind of, you know, like I said, su support those small businesses and those oddities parlors and, and, and all small businesses, whether you whether this, this person makes pillows or whether they make jewelry, you know, support those people if you have a couple of dollars it goes a really long way and um, also look out for my my um, new songs you know of whether this is released after the 24th or not you know it's look up strange kids and you know it's 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 definitely something i'm gonna it's gonna be more of in the future so just stay in touch and just you know you know where to find me <laughs> um well if people want to reach out to you directly or check out learn more about you where can they go uh, they can leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> um, you know, just reach out to the strange and unusual on Instagram, Josh balls on Instagram. You know, if I, if I have the time or things like that, I, I try to respond as much as possible. You know, if things, sometimes people are stupid and I think they're idiots and I try not to respond to stupid things. So I like to respond to positivity. So I think just, you know, Josh balls on Instagram or the strange and unusual on Instagram, batty fang on Instagram, steamy hollows on Instagram, um, dark noir nights on Instagram. It, just, it never ends. So, or strange kids music on Instagram, you know, there's always somewhere to find me and I'm always around. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, but not only that, but, uh, also inspiring communities literally around the world and, um, inspiring people through the music that you've created, the businesses that you started and for all that, just thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was about time. <laughs> Thank you for watching Death Science Podcast. For updates and new episodes, subscribe right now. It's quick at deathscience.org. Now, remember that we all must die one day. So talk to your loved ones now about your post-life plans for your body. Learn more about creative and beneficial post-life plans at restinggrounds.org. I'm Jeremy, your host, signing off. Thank you and memento mori.